Sorry, I was looking at your beautiful faces in Discord, not at the Zencaster. Um, but uh, welcome back, folks, to another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum. Today, I, the horror podcast of the Ruminations Radio Network, I got there. Uh, today, obviously, I'm your host, Mr. Fantastic. Um, Kyle, you actually got me in hot water with the Brendan Jesus Ortega thing. We'll get there. Um, with us, as always, he writes with a number two pencil. He's number one in all of our hearts. He wears a snapback, sometimes uh, the slick black Cadillac. It's Kyle. I appreciate you getting my intros right. And I want to say fuck you, Ian, for always getting my intros wrong. And I know <laughs> it's you not that it hard purpose. to remember. <laughs> no, he does it on purpose, but it's fine. Oh, okay. Um, so I watched Heat for the first time. Any chance of it in here? First yeah. time. First time. So I was great in that movie. I just got a new Panasonic 4K player, and uh, I got one of those like 8K. and got silver in the HDMI, you know, things. It's it's throwing out the high per seconds of the numbers, and it's throwing out great audio. Heat, man, that is an amazing movie. And uh, Mitch, I want to ask you since you might have seen it in theaters. Did you in fact see it in theaters? I and actually so, tell you if I can remember seeing it in the theaters or not. What was the uh, what was the zeitgeist like when that movie came out? What year was it? Ninety five. Not oh, okay. Well, I mean, I, to be honest, I I uh, I wasn't as film uh, centric in ninety five. Yeah, I was. I was. Um, I was still in the heat of being in, being a rock star kind of thing. Course. But yeah, I mean, I still saw it. I, I must have seen it in the theater because I don't remember like getting. I don't think I've ever owned a copy. But yeah, watching that shootout with like my audio yeah. and stuff, it just reminds me of like how people always compare. Like around my age, is like man, Saving Private Ryan. You just had to see it in theaters. It was a different experience. Like I feel like that's like the Heat version of the '90s. It was like, dude, you just had to see Heat in theaters because that. Dude, that scene was short but intense. The whole movie's mm -hmm. well filmed. Um, every character, every single character, down to the side character, is interesting. I just, it, it took me way too long to watch that movie. I've been, it's been on my watch list for literally decades. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, I'm just glad I finally watched it. It's, it's, it's fucking a five star movie. I, It'll still I, pop up all the time on like lists of uh, great movies to showcase your sound system and. Yeah, it's mm. it still stands up. I I had I don't know if it's because I went into it with like zero expectations. I literally was like, it's just going to be a heist movie, cops and robbers. I'm into that. Let's check it out. And then it dives so deep into each person's you know character arc and their motivations and just their their uh, moral compasses and just everything. It's just so good. And I can't uh, praise a uh, movie that everybody's already seen enough. <laughs> so, um, you know yeah. where we could talk more about that movie at? <laughs> uh, visual joke. Um, Maybe one day. Maybe one also day. with us for the second week in a row, you've heard his voice. He's the godfather of gore. Uh, as Kyle says, the Native American Thor. Oh, that rhymed. Uh, the 
Mexico Barbaro himself. <laughs> I don't know. See whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's Mitch. I don't. I don't know where that came. I don't know where that Mexico Barbaro thing came from. I've been thinking about that movie. Did you say the Godfather of Gore? Yeah, I like that. The Godfather of Gore, the Guru of Goth, the Native American Thor himself. Mitch, <laughs> I love it. That's that's the intro for now. Awesome. How I'm doing, coming Mitch? back all the time now. If I get an intro like that, <laughs> so. But we we won't let Ian intro you because it'll. Who Thank knows you. where it'll go. He'll, he'll call you the number two pencil or something. And then, <laughs> yeah, it'll be terrible. But... It'll be something about bows and arrows. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. How you Thank doing? You. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Good we need to make you. Yeah, we need to make you more of a regular. That way, the introductions can just become more and more casual as you, as you yeah. come on. So it's not like an announcement. I mean, it'll always be an announcement, but I'm saying like, you just need to be one of us, is what I'm saying. I would really like that. I mean, it, um, if you recall on the oh god, it hurts. The other day, uh, James had mistakenly uh, pegged me as already part of your show. Oh, oh yeah, did I you did catch that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I caught it because I listened to it and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then in the uh, summaries, it actually said that I was on your show. So I, I did change it when we published, but you know, hey, I'll be on anytime you guys want me to. Cool. Unless we're covering a movie like Addiction again. Oh, no! Spoilers! <laughs> um, uh, but before we, get, before we get into the Addiction, uh, what have you been up to recently? Anything anything interesting? Not I, man. I've been just working. Uh, my little sister finally came up to visit me. I, uh, she hadn't visited me in Colorado yet. So um, it took some kind of an EDM concert out at Red Rocks for her to actually come up and visit. So it wasn't really to see me. But that was cool to get to hang out with her and, uh, you know, show her the uh, show her the new palace and stuff. Um, and that's about it, man. Haven't had a lot of time for a whole lot else. So, so, what, so what you're saying is we need to get like Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper to play Red Rocks so that Kyle yes. will come up and see you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I think then I would go, but only <laughs> only. No, I'm kidding. Uh. It hurts. It hurts. But I hide the tears. So you don't watch like any movies anymore? You don't like have any free time to like sit down and like, because you used to watch movies all the time. That that used to be like a thing. I'd come over, we'd pop in a flick. What happened? Like, are you just way too busy? Is life just fucking everything up? I don't know how it happens because I mean, there's still the same number of hours in the day, right? And I'm not yeah. necessarily working more hours than I was previous. And my commute is shorter. I guess the exhaustion, maybe. Like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Plus, I I really have been trying to to focus in on uh, the network and trying to figure out some ways to get us some extra extra eyeballs or ear holes on the shows and stuff. Um, but yeah, I can, can, I, this, I can Hopefully, this this is a uh, at least a break from all that, and you can occasionally watch a movie with us. Dude, That'll it's be- great. It's a it's a yeah. it's a nice treat, and it gives me a really solid reason slash excuse to watch something because I have a, a particular reason because we're gonna talk about it. Cool on on your show. Th- this might this might be a dumb question, but has there ever been a movie that like you had wanted to talk about, uh, but necessarily the it just never worked out, and then one of the shows that you edit between between all of them has has covered a movie so you've watched the movie and then as you edit along you kind of 
listen to the conversation? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, it happens. Yeah, all the time. It happens a lot on your show. When I'm editing it, I'm like I'm like I'm talking to you guys as you're. <laughs> I'll have to like stop because I've got something to say and I'm basically talking to my computer. And there's <laughs> it's really really sad. Or um, what's actually worse is when I have to do one of the shows from like CHF uh, because they get those that early access sometimes. Oh and, yeah, and it's something I wanted to watch, and they they review it and I mean they talk about it and those they don't hold back on spoilers. So I have okay. to kind of like half listen and just just try and you know, phase out what they're talking about and just listen to the audio quality. Just enter a mental palace of your own where you're like sitting there and like an aerial projection of yourself editing and you're not listening yet. Just hearing the voices, but not the words. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've really been up to much. Uh, Still uh, season two of 30 coins, um, episode two, or by the time this comes out, it'll probably be like midway through the season, but uh, I had the opportunity actually to interview the uh, the lead cast with uh, Macarena Gomez and a couple other people. And then I got to interview the writer, director, showrunner, Alex De La Iglesias. That must have been uh, nuts. Pretty... Oh, dude, it was so fucking cool. Um, I'd probably say that's the most famous person I've ever talked to. <laughs> um, but it was it was great. Uh also, kind of the cat's out of the bag. I'm not with horror obsessive anymore. Um, I have left. I now uh, I'm a freelance writer for Horror Press, and congratulations. Gonna, um, thank you. And uh, I don't know if I can say the other thing, but uh, gonna be doing something with Andrew again here. Mm-hmm. I don't cool. know if I'm allowed to say that or not, but I said it. Let's call him up right now. Yeah. Okay. FaceTime speaker. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I got going for me. 30 coin season two, watch it. It's great. It's even better than the first and you will never expect how the season finishes. It's crazy. Nice. Um, now it's time for us all to talk a movie that I don't, I don't know if we want to talk about it. Uh, it is 1995's The Addiction. Um, before we get into it, I think we should get into some... The Addiction is a 1995 vampire film written by Nicholas St. Johnson and directed by Abel Ferrara. Uh, These two would collab on many projects together with films like The Driller Killer in 1979, Miss 45 in 81, The King of New York in 90, and The Body Snatchers in 1993. Uh, The Addiction is praised for its ensemble cast of brilliant actors, with actors like Lily Taylor, Christopher Walken, Paul Calderon, uh, Fred Rowe... Oh, I didn't... I I wrote down the wrong last name, but there's a guy named Fred Rowe in this. Um, And uh, Catherine Irby. Uh, It also has Sopranos cast members Annabella Sciorra, Edie Falco, and Michael Imperioli. There's three Sopranos cast members. I think that's cool. Um, Shot in black and white over 20 days, The Addiction is a surface-level allegory about drugs while it tries to to carry a deeper commentary on the subject of sin. While the film commercially flopped, bringing in $303,000 adjusted to about $734,000 today, it was a critical success. Uh, The Addiction premiered at Sundance Film Festival um, and was also screened at the 45th Berlin International Film Festival. 
uh, Abel Ferrara would go on to be nominated for Best Feature at the 11th Independence, <clears throat> the 11th Annual Independent Spirit Awards, and Lily Taylor was also nominated for Best Female Lead. Originally, uh, the character of uh, what Christopher Walken's name, his character's name is uh, Pina. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Pina. Uh, the character of Pina was female and Casanova was a male. But <clears throat> Christopher Walken didn't realize that. When he read the script, he wanted the role of Pina so bad, so Ferrara acquiesced and switched the character sexes. A few years, uh, a few years ago... <clears throat> Ferreira said, uh, the film is obviously an explicit metaphor for a years-long heroin addiction that he had, and it was conceptualized as a uh, Catholic redemption tale where, unable to control her urges, Kathleen accepts her lack of power and submits to God in order to be reborn. So, without any further ado, let's tie off, light up that spoon, and inject some Abel Ferrara right into your ear. So obviously we're going to uh, get into our initial thoughts here. Um, but one of the first questions that uh, I would like you guys to work in to the to the first thoughts, if possible, is so you know where'd you watch it, how'd you watch it, would you add it? I know the answer to two of those. <laughs> um, the so this movie's gotten a lot of praise for its themes, but just put that completely aside for a second because. The addiction is, at its core, a vampire movie. So please, can you work into your initial thoughts, does this succeed as just a vampire movie? Uh, I would like Mitch to answer this first. He's yes. the big vampire fan. Okay. I wanna, I, I'm actually itching. When I, so, a little bit of backstory real quick. I won't go on too long of a tangent. When, tangent, I, man, I, tangent. We got to have something to talk about because... I'm gonna make it real short. Oh no! <laughs> when I first saw the trailer for this movie, I instantly and let me be clear: this is one of those films, in my opinion, where I think the trailer is better than the overall product. And there are there are a lot of examples of that that I won't get into now. But we've talked about it before on previous episodes. But when I saw the trailer for this film, I was like, dude, this looks like a Mitch ass movie. Like fucking <laughs> it's got walking. It's black and white. It's vampires. It's 90s, you know, New York. Like, I don't know, just the vibe of it all seemed Mitch to me. So now we get back to it, Mitch. I really want to know what your thoughts are now that we've actually like watched it. You weren't wrong, man. That trailer absolutely screamed that. Like, I don't know how it slipped past me during its time and during its heyday, especially if it was being critically lauded. I imagine I probably would have like bumped into it, but somehow I missed it. Um, I I don't know how it happened. I mean, it must have been like I said, it was like knee deep in in you know doing other things. But um, as far as like, does it succeed as a vampire film? I think no. Um, I, I it the the metaphors are really. I don't. I don't want to dig too deep yet. I don't know no, where you you're digging. Just dig as. Dig as deep as you'd like. I mean, it's, but it's not. I don't think it succeeds as a vampire film. I will answer that. Where I watched it, I watched it on disc. I bought it sight unseen, just based on the trailer. And um, now that I own it, I would not add it to my collection. <laughs> why? Why don't you think it succeeds as a vampire film, though? Because it's not a vampire film. Why? It's like, does. The Barbie movie succeed as a vampire film? No, because it's not a vampire film. Like this doesn't succeed as a vampire film because it's not a vampire film. So you don't think they're they're actually real vampires? Okay, let, let's that was start. one of my do questions think, for later. Do you as think well. that they are actually real vampires, or do you think this 
is just like a uh, like not a portrayal, but more of like a like a cult, I guess, or like. What do you so let's take out like he like said fetishes, the metaphors. Like the blood cult yeah, kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Let's take out the metaphors and all that. Is are they vampires? Well, that depends. They don't have fangs. What they vampire don't get, means. They, they don't have fangs. fangs. They don't leave wounds don't on their hit. necks. They don't get uh killed by the sunlight. I mean yeah. they get weakened, but No, no, I I I wish they were. And I think Walken Walken's a vampire. But that's just because He's walking. He's Christopher Walken. Yeah, he can be whatever he wants. And if that's, you know, but the rest of them, no, um, no, I don't think so. So was Walken supposed to play the girl that bit her in the beginning and turned her? Yes. Oh, man, that would have been a mistake. Yeah. That would have been a mistake. I mean, they both had very limited screen time, but just, I mean, I guess that's a testament to what Walken knows in his experiences, like he knew that that character probably embodied him way more than than the other one. Just being the like the vessel for her turning, like being the experienced, mm-hmm. almost like uh, uh, mentor to her, was a way better call, in my opinion. But uh, does it exceed as a vampire movie on its own? I, I guess it does to me. I mean, it's got all the you know, it's got a lot of the tropes of other vampire movies. Um, Really, the only the only setbacks it has is, like I said, is like from a visual standpoint, they don't really have the vampiric look. And then also, um, there's they're daywalkers essentially, which is a little weird. And I guess that kind of takes away from it because when I was watching it, there was a lot of scenes where like she was just out in the sunlight walking around with her friends, and I was like, "Well, what's the play here? Are we are we actually doing this vampire? Like, are we investing in this vampire story, or is it just?" Is it just a metaphor? Like, so maybe it doesn't now that I'm thinking about it. Honestly, no, I'm like, maybe it doesn't because, like, I did question myself while I was watching it multiple times on like the direction that they were going in, and it never really landed with me. I guess but, it depends on also what, what you define vampire film is. I mean, are they drinking yeah. blood? Yes. Does that mean they're vampires? But it, is it a supernatural vampire kind of thing? I don't think so. No. Yeah, it kind of yeah. goes back to our discussion we had on a previous episode, Bliss, where she she was drinking blood and attacking people. But other than that, she didn't really experience a lot of the tropey stuff that vampires experience. She was able to walk around in the sunlight. She was able to, like, um, kind of do all those things. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess. Okay, so short answer. I've changed my mind. No, it does not exceed or succeed as a vampire film. Brendan. Uh. It this movie made me think a lot of Larry Fessenden's Habit, uh, which came out the same exact year. Um, and it, it's kind of like remember when uh the prestige and the illusion the illusionist came out the like at the same year in, in 2008. It's like obviously they probably didn't it was probably just a synchronicity thing. Um and I want to believe deep impact. Yes, deep exactly. Impact in Armageddon, yeah. 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 Um yeah. This this movie made me think of a lot of Fessenden's Habit because it's the same exact thing. Um, a student gets bit by someone he perceives to be a vampire, and he now is going through possible vampiric changes. And at the end of the movie, it's unclear whether or not 
vampires are real, but the purpose of habit is for Larry Fessenden to talk about alcoholism and the struggles that he's had in his life. Um, so I want to say that, is it uh, like the vampires we know? Hell no. But I think it's kind of a, a, I didn't enjoy this movie that much, but I think that this idea and with habit, it's a fun idea of playing on what vampirism actually is. It's something that's draining people, whether it's alcoholism, a heroin addiction, a crisis of faith. It's this draining thing in this external force of being bitten is just the the physicality of the struggles that they're going through. That's interesting. I didn't look at the metaphor like that um, as the addiction or in like Fessenden's, your example there with the, the habit, so something that's draining people. Because I would think like the metaphor would have played better if if they were, you know, I know that there was the physicality of the drinking blood and the neck biting and things, but if the the vampires were more vampiric in their daily actions or what their jobs were or what they, the way they treated other people, it's something like that. I never saw addiction as a vampiric thing because it's kind of going the wrong direction in my mind. Like as far as like, but the, the addiction draining you, that's, I'll have to give that some thought. I think you might honestly like uh, Larry Fessenden's habit because it does what this movie does. But in my, I, I'm a Fessenden whore. Um, so I'm probably biased, but I think he Fessenden does it a thousand times better than, than this movie. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out then because I I liked where they were. I, I get I get the thematics and things. Um, and I mean, I guess just to jump ahead just a little bit, I'll just hit this real quick, a little light touch. But as far as metaphor and things are concerned, there are more subtle and uh, delicate ways to approach something. And I thought this movie was really heavy handed. Uh, actually, that goes into one of my other questions, um, and I'll throw this out to you guys. Uh, Mitch, I think I kind of know where you, where you sit with this, but uh, do you think the commentary in this is is too literal? Because uh, okay. you know it, yeah, it, it shows the the war images of. Um, oh, I remember the. I think it was uh, that was an attack that we did on uh, the, the Vietnamese. Old, or they the showed Korean? a couple different ones. Yeah, the first one was Vietnamese. Yeah, or Vietnam, and then. Uh, the, I think they made a lot of references to World War II and mm-hmm. like the like the Jewish onslaught and stuff. But. So Kyle, Kyle, you you would agree that the the commentary yeah. here is way too literal. Every every other image in the film and still was kind of pushing that you know agenda. So I don't. Yeah, I mean it was heavy handed, but I don't think I think I didn't mind it that much. Um, I actually. Looking back at it now, you know, an hour later after watching it, <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> having some 60 minutes to sit with it, um, I feel like, I don't know, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed all the metaphors. The heavy-handedness didn't bother me like most films. And um, I don't know, I, I enjoyed the way they told the story and how they were trying to connect the two things, so... Uh, you didn't. You didn't say um, where'd you watch it. Would you add it to your collection? Um, I watched it. Um, so I added it to my collection. I bought the Arrow um, Blu-ray, and yeah, I, I think I would keep it in my collection. I would add it if I didn't add it already. Anybody want a copy? I'll send you mine. <laughs> I mean, I, I, 
I kind of do. Email us at ruminationsradio <laughs> at <gmail.com. laughs> Um, I think I I watched it on Plex or Pluto, I think. But I do think I would add this to my collection. Um, have uh. Do you guys have any history with Abel Ferrara? Have you seen any of his movies or at least know of some of his stuff? This is my first one. And I thought you watched Miss 45. No, that's Ian and Ian shit all over that movie. He hates it. But um, so it's good. This is my first one. And I actually like his directorial style. I like it. Um, And there was a lot of shots in there that were really cool. Um, like when her and her friend were talking in the bathroom and it had the reflection of her in the mirror, but the camera was behind her friend. And so it's like you were, she was talking at the main character, but it, it was from the perspective of both faces because of the mirror, you were able to see both of them. And I thought that was a really cool shot, really interesting, um, an effective shot. And, um, I don't know why he chose to go with the black and white approach. Um, but whatever, it was fine. (laughs) Um, I don't think it's necessarily... I don't think it detracted or added anything to the film, so I don't know what his intention was to make it in black and white, but it was, it looked good. The film, the quality of the film looked great. Um, and I think from a visual standpoint, it held up, you know, almost 20 years, 30 years later. So, wow. yeah. yeah, I think it looks really good for a 30 year old movie almost. So. I don't remember what my question was. Um, is it our first of his films that we've Oh, yes. Yeah, Mitch. I was familiar with the name, and I don't know why. Like, it had popped up, I guess, in just other research or looking around, and I had never seen anything. Um, So this was my first. I would probably take a look back at some other things. Um, Kyle's not wrong. I mean, there's a lot of really beautiful shots, some of them right early on, and then throughout in the black and white choice. I thought it fits, but that's, you know, I like black and white, so I'm I'm also partial that way. So it was really lined up for me to really enjoy it, Um, but I did not. Uh, I definitely recommend you guys check out The Driller Killer. That's, yeah, that's like his most popular, that one or the New York one, I forgot what it's called. Uh, The uh, King of New York. King of New York, yeah, that's his most famous one. Um, Is, what's your experience with the director, Brennan? Uh, I've seen, uh, I own a beautiful copy of the driller killer. I think it, I think it was arrow or maybe vinegar syndrome, but it's a beautiful copy. I would definitely recommend if you guys like the movie, getting it. Um, and I've seen miss 45 and, uh, I think there was a short film that he did that I saw somewhere, but I don't quite remember where, um, I, I've <laughs> watching the movie. I didn't necessarily like it. And I think I've talked myself into liking this movie a little bit more. Um, I don't know how, but okay, here's a hard-hitting question for you guys. Uh, Mitch, I don't know if you actually watched this movie or not. So it like, might Mitch, not do, you have any, do you have any experience with addiction? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm addicted the, to uh, the Ruminations of Red Rum podcast. I ew, listen every week. Um, so Abel Ferrara unquestionably uh one of the 70s and 80s biggest art house directors dario argento one of the biggest filmmakers in horror of all time both have made a vampire film so my question is the addiction versus dracula 3d who wins (laughs) bro 
this isn't even a question. Dracula 3D hands down takes this. Because of the grasshopper, a giant right? grasshopper, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that Van Helsing fights. You put a giant grasshopper against Rutger Hauer, it takes it any day. I mean, enough said. And I'll just... Just one more thing to add. I've talked myself into not only liking Dracula 3D, but actually being a stand for Dracula 3D. I love that movie. So I stand by that. I'll have to check it out. I have not seen it. Uh, you don't have to. But we have an episode on it. So go watch, yeah, we do. Go watch Dario Argento's Hidden Gem, Dracula 3D, and then go listen to our episode on Ruben. I don't need to. I've already listened to the episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So one of the things that I thought was actually very interesting in this movie is something I don't think I've seen done in a horror movie since Requiem for a Dream. So Requiem set aside, when was the last time you think you saw someone shoot an H in a horror movie? Have you ever seen it? I, it's so rarely done, if, if at all. I mean, I've seen stuff in like Breaking Bad and stuff, but like I'm talking horror, horror specifically, horror, horror specifically. Well, let's can I back up for just a second? Yeah. I'm going to answer that question, but I also want to know like what was with that? Like, were they doing heroin together? Like, was she just trying to get? Like, I, where did I that come know. in? You know, like why did it come in? I don't get that. That whole scene seemed really out of place to me. Like, it was m my thought is. Obviously, they have a relationship of some sort together, which is, again, very weird. Um, and uh, maybe that's just something that he does already and she knows about. So uh, yeah, that's, it wouldn't that's... be weird for her to bring it up. But, but isn't it... that, I don't know, like, I, I feel like that's an effective storytelling that we have to jump to that conclusion, like make it yeah. up. Like, I don't know. It just, it seemed really out of place, not explained. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, yeah. But um, to your, to your question, I don't think, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. No. Not often. Um, I, and I mean, again, it, I kind of, I guess it would depend on your definition of, of horror, which I wanted to talk about you guys at some point at mm -hmm. length. Um, he can do it now because I'm out of questions <laughs> <laughs> about what defines horror. But um, the crow, um, fun boy, is shooting up with uh, Darla uh, when Eric Draven shows up. But I mean, I've never seen the crow. Oh, brother! <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, no, I can't think of any. But I don't like when films. This isn't really a question. This is just. Uh... Please, I'm out. I just have to get this off my chest. I don't like when films will will show like a star on the title card on the main cover, and they're in it for like eight minutes of the movie. I I feel like they undersold Christopher Walken being in the movie a little bit. Like mm -hmm. like his actual presence in the movie was almost nothing, but he's on the cover. He's the second name that pops up in the credits. Like I feel like it's a little. I don't know, misleading. And I, I Very don't misleading with like, I understand well. why they did it. I understand why they did it. Cause he's a huge name and everything, but, and even then he was a huge name, but I just feel that, I don't know. I feel like it's a, a cheap shot. Mm -hmm. I, I don't appreciate it. I don't know. I kind of liked how it was a cast of revolving characters. I like that aspect of it, but like 
there's a difference between him being a co-star and a cameo, right? Like, well, do, do you think uh, going back to the fear facts about how they they switched the two roles? I think it kind of his role in the movie would have made a lot more sense as the Casanova character because he'd be there in the beginning and then Casanova comes back towards the very end. I mean, as far as screen time, yeah. But like I said before, I feel like the importance of his character and being like that mentor figure or like that lore expanding character showing that like people have gone through the addiction, have lived through it. He's, he's been through the tunnel. He's out on the other side. He's like the living proof that you can make it past it. Like, I feel like that's a lot more impactful than him just being the one that turns her. Um, again, I just wish he had more screen time because mm -hmm. once we were getting to that, like 45 minute mark, I was feeling burnout. And, uh, I feel like he kind of rev re revitalized the film revamped. a little bit. He revamped the film a little bit uh, and kind of like put some wind in the sails to get us to the finale. Um, I just wish he was in it more, that's all. And it's just weird that he's everywhere on everything, the promotion and the box art and the second name in the credits and everything. And he just, I don't know, but that's just my take. Because there's also people in this film that are honestly more famous than him that have more screen time in the movie. And are like 30 names down in the credits. Yeah. <laughs> so um, can we talk real quick about the soundtrack for this movie? I, I was jamming in the credits, man. <laughs> so high. Um, yeah, having, having that in there was a little... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Did you notice that... Uh, they only ever played rap music when the black characters were on screen. No, I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't surprise me. I felt a little uncomfortable yeah. by that. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, I didn't notice it. Uh, um, the soundtrack was a little, like, I don't know what he was going for. Like if he was going for just like a nineties, New York urban kind of thing, but like it didn't fit with this, the theme of the movie to me, but, um, what were you guys' thoughts about the uh, the once she gets her she successfully gets the the PhD and then they have that after party and you see all the people that she's possibly turned there and it's like oh why is this guy that was catcalling her from the bodega here um, and I and then it just turns into like that all out brawl. What did you guys think of that scene? I I liked it. I I, I thought it was an interesting. Uh, move. I saw what was happening. I mean, like you see it, like from a mile away. It's like, okay, I get it now. Like, yeah. you knew what was coming, um, and it was kind of a fun uh, callback to the victims and things. I, I, you know, as far as in a movie filled with other things that I that I am trying not to just shit all over. Um, <laughs> like it was that was a a good scene, a cool idea, not not executed perfectly or anything like that. It went great, but. It was it was good. I liked it. I did like seeing the her her possible turns or victims like all showing up there. Although I imagine that some of them would have been asking like, why is this guy and why is this guy in the uh, backwards baseball cap here, and why hasn't he changed clothes since we last saw him? Yeah, he's in he's in his apron and his fucking his bandana or his backwards hat that he was wearing. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, they're all in the same clothes for when they got turned, yeah, just so you could cool. recognize everybody in the party. So as I asked that question, uh, I kind of had a thought, and 
I would love either some validation or whatever the opposite of validation is. Um, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know. Ridicule. There you go. Uh, and I, this might be a reach, but uh, that the PhD after party scene that we were just talking about. Um, as I asked the question, I realized that um, commentary wise for for drug addiction, uh, this party scene where everyone attacks kind of makes me think that this is Abel Ferrara saying that your addiction affects the people closest to you. Any thoughts on that? Or am I, am I reading into that too much? Because I, I want to make something of that scene because it's there for a reason. No, I think that could be said. And I also think you can go a step further and say like, so maybe if, so this is a little bit of a reach. I'll, I'll throw my reach in there now. But um, them all being dressed, because I wasn't kidding. They're all dressed in the yeah. same clothes in the scene that they were in when they got turned. <laughs> um, and at a party like that, it was a very like mixed group of people that looked like they wouldn't have been there, didn't fit in. And maybe that could also be a commentary on like drugs and addiction can literally affect anyone from any background, from mm -hmm. any um, status, you know, um, yeah. it could, it could, it could affect anyone. So on top of what you said with what I said, maybe it was like a combined thing. Okay. Um, I don't know, but I think, no, I, I think that's not a, I don't think that's a stretch from what you're saying. I think it makes sense. I think I'm talking myself into liking this movie a little bit. Five more. out of five, dude. Easy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, heart. Five out of five heart. Uh, I'm pretty much at the edge of my questions, but there, there was something at, that... I, so, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, there was something I thought was really funny. I don't know if you guys noticed it. It's when uh, she's in the library to get that blonde girl as a victim, uh, and, and she's talking to her, and... Uh, the girl talks about how, for some reason, everyone is drawn to the library. And then she says that the library is just full of libelous epitaphs and they're drawn there like flies. You're a student. <laughs> you're asking why you're at the fucking library. You're goddamn students. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but it pissed me off. Yeah, no, I noticed. A lot of the dialogue was also super pretentious. And I know a lot of people are going to say that. Um, but... It kind of was, yeah, but a little bit of a a detractor, but it wasn't enough to like really make me hate it. But mm -hmm. it it was obviously a little pretentious. Are we at the point where we can just speak freely, or is it time for that all famous red rum piss break that you guys always talk about? Where where are we? No, yeah, let's let's do final thoughts and rating, and then we'll do piss break. <laughs> okay, so. Final <laughs> final thoughts rating and uh let all helm break loose. Say whatever you want to say. Uh Mitch, we'll start with you. All right. So final thoughts. Uh because you actually brought up the, the library and the students. I think using school and having professors give lessons is cheap and lazy to get across a point. Like because it's like so spoon feeding. And I'm not a fan of of any like spoon feeding from any director, writer, anything like if, if, give me a, give me a chance to work something out on my own rather than just handing it to me. Um, that's not entertaining to me. And I mean, I, I, I did not know previous to this cast that 
it was uh, heavily praised or lauded in its day. Maybe it's aged poorly, but mm-hmm. like I was saying earlier, the heavy handedness really does bother me. Um, it's not ironic having your lessons given via um, a professor in a school classroom. That's not ironic. That's just lazy. It's just like, I, I don't have another way of communicating this point that I'm trying to make, this metaphor that I'm trying to build. So I don't, I didn't like that. And I don't like, honestly, I, I can see the point behind it. And, but I don't like the use of real life horror to, in a fictional movie to try and communicate something either. Like, I, I'm not uncomfortable seeing the imagery that they're putting on there and, he, and they're trying to like send a message, but I feel like that has a different place than in a fictional horror movie or mm. what should have been a horror movie, but was really just, I don't know. So overall, no, it was beautifully shot. There's some, and I really like so many of the actors, the Lily Taylor as the main protagonist was one of the other things that really drew me to, I was like, oh shit, I'm going to watch that because I, I like her. Mm-hmm. Um, the later uh, philosopher rap rants that she goes on, where it's almost stream of consciousness stuff. Yeah. Like Kyle was saying, a lot of people might call some of this stuff and some of the dialogue pretentious, but I don't think they're necessarily wrong. I don't want to say this borders on like student film level of pretension, but it's like, dude, um... like take a breath, man, and like really, <laughs> I don't know. I I I was just kind of put off by by the level of uh like it was like ladling it on it's like dude just let me watch a cool vampire movie and i mean vampires have always served as a metaphor from the the get-go so this heavy-handed uh use of them in a way that is uh i don't trying to like it into drug use and things i i don't know just for me just was a little bit of a misfire still enjoyed like hanging out watching it that was cool. It was fun to see walking, fun to see the black and white, fun to see what was probably chocolate sauce for blood, <laughs> um, like they did in Psycho. Uh, I thought there could have been, maybe they just didn't have the budget for it, but the lack of any kind of wounds on the necks, I'm sorry to nitpick something like that, but it was kind of like, didn't someone just get done gnawing on your throat, bro? No, that's and a good then, point that we didn't bring up. Yeah. <laughs> like there's nothing going on there, so... Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have watched it so that I have it in my repertoire, but um, I, w- I probably wouldn't rock through it again. Fuck, you talked me back down, bro. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, I mean, to your point too. Just before I get into my final thoughts about like, um, like the accuracy and, and the detail of the wounds and whatnot, there was also a lot of like inaccuracies and just like the way they were attacking their victims like they were going like there was one scene in uh like at the end like the party scene where one of the girls literally grabbed another girl by like the head and was just gnawing on its ear like she wasn't even like biting the right (laughs) spot like that's something i would have called out if i was directing the film but whatever um shit after i can't i can't follow up to that to mitch's um final thoughts i mean he he makes a lot of great points i didn't i didn't mm, a lot of the heavy handedness i didn't mind um the film was entertaining to watch from like a visual standpoint but the story and and just how it played out uh it didn't keep my attention uh as much as i'd like to 
to do. It it didn't lean on the horror side enough. Also, uh, fuck man, I just yeah. Um, what'd you give it, Mitch? Oh, that's right. My my. So that's my final thoughts, and yeah. I would say my rating. It's out of five. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. out of five. Yeah, I'm gonna give it one star. <laughs> Is that Mitch's first one star yeah. on the show? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, man. I'm sorry. I, I you know, no. and I'm not trying to like say, hey, no, guys, no, 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 don't apologize. 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 Yeah. Well, but uh, you know, I, like I said, great cast. The, they did the best they could with what they were probably given, etc. And the shots are great, which I have to kind of look into seeing who the DP was as well to see because like how much of it was. Ferrara versus maybe like the DP, like the opening shot when you first see uh, Skiora and Lily Taylor, she's walking across the street and she's standing there like the black of her dress and the shot across the street was gorgeous. Like I would put that shit on like a screensaver, mm-hmm, yeah. but the rest of the movie just, I was just kind of nonplussed, man. So one star. I enjoyed the visual style of his directing. I enjoyed the cinematography, the way it looked. I didn't mind the whole vampire addiction metaphor thing. I think it played out better than I've seen it play out in other films. It's not the worst I've seen. It's definitely not the worst I've seen. Um, I'm going to give this... I'm going to give it a... You can do it. Because that's what I'm going to give it. <laughs> I'm going to give it a three no heart. Okay. It's not um, it's not a shitter film for me, but I I understand Mitch's gripes. I think this just really Yeah, yeah. I understand. I totally get it, but for me it's not like a shitter film. I guess I gotta understand what a shitter film is, man. Dracula 3D. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. <laughs> you know. Because, you know, am I really thinking this is a two and I'm going too hard on it by giving it a one? But it's just like I like I said the the student film vibe like I could not shake it, and I could not get over the fact that the the philosopher rap rantings at the end I was like yeah. dude like there's a place for this and it's not here. No, I think your rating has a a perfect place here, and I think that learning your system and what you like and dislike is valuable in this kind of situation. So I I actually appreciate this. I am interested to see you on the higher side of ratings and see what tickles your fancy though too oh, yeah. maybe something that's not so mainstream like i want to find i want to find a, a less mainstream movie that really just pleases you but we'll see oh you know them i mean we've had we've had conversations about them in the past and i'm sure we will get an opportunity to chat about them again yeah 100 percent. so yeah three no heart three no heart um it's Surprising to see, uh, Mitch, I was trying to find the right word for it, and I think the right classification, and you hit the nail on the head, this feels like a student film. And for an accomplished director like Abel Ferrara to make a movie that feels like this, this deep into their filmography is very questionable. And it it kind of makes me feel like he was given too much creative control and should have been kind of calmed down by whatever production studio, unless this was self-financed, whatever. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Um, you guys have both brought up very good positives and negatives about it, and I'm just 
going to give my score of a three with no heart, which brings the official ruminations of red rum rating of the addiction to a 2.3 repeating, which rounds up to a 2.5. I think that's fair. I think, I think that's, that's pretty fair for this. Yeah, one. yeah, I think it's fair. See, but like that's what I'm saying is like having a balance. It's just kind of the balance because I think a 2.5, like it's not a 2.5 to me, but I could see it being a 2.5. If that makes sense. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I think it's a fair balance. I think it gets that extra start and a half just for the cast. Like somebody had some favors to call in because good job. Yeah, hundred <laughs> Some heavy hitters, man. Hundred percent. It's like oh, got to be good. At least yeah. got to be solid. But. And it, it wasn't it wasn't even like it was these people before they were famous or something. Right. Right, right, right. So that that's funny. He had to he called in some favors. That's good. Um, but before we get into the world's favorite game show, we are going to take an official ruminations of red rum thick piss break. Please enjoy a word from the other shows on the Ruminations Radio Network. Hey kids, it's Don Shanahan from the Cinephile Hissy Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on Cinephile Hissy Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. And welcome back to What's in the Box. Uh, the game where my co-hosts must guess the letterboxed average rating based on me reading the letterbox description of a film. If they guess within 0.3 of the average rating, they will be uh, awarded a point. A secondary point is possible if they are able to guess the decade the film was released. And a third point is also possible if they can guess the year. Gentlemen. Man, are you ready how that the might, fuck that was that the be- that might have been the best description we've ever given on this podcast mm. Mm. Okay. god damn now, now now people will actually understand what we're doing and not just be lost <laughs> um, <laughs> you gotta always rewind and listen to the description again now like what? three or four times what did they say um what did you say um so mitch has uh somehow shot to the lead of this game so mitch i'm i'm sorry to let you know i've uh i've tried to rig this game this round against you okay uh, <laughs> he is up four at this point I, I know. And, and he's been on the cast like two and a half times <laughs> oh, all right gentlemen are you ready see whatever number one Murder is so 1987. 35 years after the shocking murder of three teens, an infamous killer returns on Halloween night to claim a fourth victim. When 17-year-old Jamie comes face-to-face with the mass maniac, she accidentally time travels back to 1987. Forced to navigate the unfamiliar culture, Jamie teams up with her teenage mother to take down the psycho once and for all. What's my job here? Uh, right now we have to guess the letterbox rating. rating. Yeah, three point five. <laughs> My job. Three point seven. You are both incorrect. It is three point one. Guess the decade. Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenties. Twenty twenties. Twenty twenty three. Oh, we're both just going for the year. Okay. Um, I get well, an extra bo- point if I nail it on the year, right? You both did get the decade correct, and one of you got the year correct. And you didn't let me guess the year! 
<laughs> yes, you did. You it's said a, I thought you said twenty twenties. Okay, twenty twenty. But, wanna... but I know what it is. It's that new time travel slasher movie <laughs> that just came out. So I know what it is. But <laughs> it is two thousand and twenty three's totally killer. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay, Mitch is already ahead. Um. All right. Let's see if I can throw a monkey wrench in with this one. Um, oh no. Okay, Kyle. You know what? I'll also I'll make it tied because I am right. Goddamn right. <laughs> um tagline there's no point in praying in a remote village two brothers find a demon infected man just about to give birth to evil itself Sounds they like decide to <laughs> a demon infected man <laughs> uh, they... sounds like me after taco bell hey uh they decide to get rid of the man but merely succeed in helping him to deliver the inferno I'm going to defer to Kyle. 3.2. 3.2? 2.7. You are both incorrect. It is a 3.7. Jesus. Yes. Which, 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 by the way, Mitch, you have to create a Letterboxd account so you can start. Because since you're going to be covering films now, you need to start. We need to start getting your rating for me. Just go ahead and just do that. That's some that's, deal. That's like deal. Rigmarole I don't want to do. I'm not doing that. That's fair. <laughs> I'll make it for you. I'll put a picture of Thor as your avatar picture. Okay, cool. Um, guess the decade. Uh, 2010s. 90s. You are both incorrect. It is 2023's When Evil Lurks, now on Shudder, and it's fucking wild. Yeah, um, Shudder shill. So... No, it's it's on. It's been getting such high praise, and it's well deserved. It is really good. Um, okay, okay. I almost just said the title of this one. Um, tagline: Do you believe? Uh, since the death of his wife twelve years ago, Victor Fielding has raised their daughter Angela on his own. But when Angela and her friend Catherine disappear into the woods, only re- to return three days later with no memory of what happened to them, it unleashes a chain of events that will force Victor to confront the. Ne- the nadir of evil and in his terror and desperation seek out the only person who has witnessed anything like this before 2.9 i like the word of the day toilet paper nadir uh i'm gonna go high on that one with the 3.5 Ooh, kyle what'd you say 2.9 wow you are both incorrect it is a 2.1 guess the decade we're not good at this game one holy shit um how is this tailored to help me in any way, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I know how, wanna, I know how it is. Wanna... I'm going to tell you as soon as we're done. Um, I'm tell you. 20. I mean, are, are we sticking with a theme here? 2020s? No, there's no theme. <laughs> 2020s. 2020s. I'm going to play the game and I'm going to say 2020s with Kyle. You are both correct. Guess the year. <laughs> 2023. 2023. No, it's wrong. Fuck. I'll stick with my answer, though. What'd you say, Mitch? 2022. Kyle ties the game. It is 2023's The Exorcist Believer. Oh, yeah. 2.1. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Fourth and final tagline. Death is different here. In 1969, a young Judd Crandall has, has dreams of living of leaving his hometown of Ludlow, Maine, 
but soon discovers the sinister secrets buried within and is forced to confront a dark family history that will forever keep him connected to Ludlow, Maine. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, shoot me in the head. 3.2. What are the, uh, what are the rules on, on, uh, prices riding a fool? Like you could prices, right? Oh, we do it all the time. Prices, right? All, all oh the time. God. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. Mm, feels cheap. Um, cause it's whoever's closer. Yeah. It, if we're both within point three, though, then we both we both get the point. The point. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna say a, a, a three. You are both incorrect. It is a two point zero guess. The decade. Go on and do it. If you picked all 2020s, I'm gonna fucking rage after this episode. But twenty tens. I'll say something different, hoping it's something different. 2010s. I feel a decade is pretty wide swath to cut, like a whole decade to guess in. That's that's so, but. I mean, we haven't gotten them right so far. I mean, okay, this time we did, but we've gotten every other question wrong. So it makes up for it. It makes up for it. All right. Uh, what's the score? We're tied right now? Tied. Yeah, it's tied. Oh shit. Okay. All right. I'm I'm gonna I, I'm gonna play it safe because I'm coming back and I, I, and I wanna safe. I want just go I for the win, bro. Go, with... go for the win. <laughs> no, but if I don't get the win and you win. It makes it interesting though. I mean you'll does. still be in the lead. <laughs> yeah, you'll still be in the lead. <laughs> well, that's just what I'm saying. Uh all right, tens. I'm gonna go with or you said the tens. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna just be different then. And I'll say the teens. The teens? The teens? <laughs> 20 teens? <laughs> After 2013. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I, I, Just give okay, us the year. Okay. Or give us a decade. 2020s. He, okay, no, no. Yeah, We're going to count that. Mine, mine is from 2010 to 2012, and his is from 2013 to 2019. Well, you're both incorrect because it is 2023's Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. It's a tie game. God. Oh, God. Okay, well. Whew. That leaves year to date. Kyle, 10. Brendan, 11. Ian, 9. Mitch, 16. Wait, Mitch, so you said you figured out how I rigged the game. Well, you figured because I was old. And I don't watch movies anymore. You were going to pick all these brand new movies mm. off of streamers and things. You thought that that was going to be the ticket. It had nothing to do with your age. I just know that you that you have a lot on your plate. And I was banking on you not being familiar with some of them. With some current stuff. Yeah. No, it has, I, I get it. That's fair. Fair play. Fair play. Um, and obviously it backfired. Um, but it's still a fun game. Uh, this has been... Another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum, the student film of the Ruminations Radio Network. Uh, if you like what we're doing here, uh, give us a rating. We are officially 39 ratings away from being able to become tomato certified and applications open up in March. That's like five months. So we have get five months to get 39 more ratings. Uh, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. We're everywhere. Spotify. App podcast, 
our website. Um, it's all great. Uh, follow us on Twitter also at of red rum. That is O F red rum. And the O F does not stand for only fans. Uh, but if enough of you follow, maybe it will be. Um, I have been your host, Brendan, Mr. Fantastic. And with us, as always, the man with the, the snapback, and he drives a slick black Cadillac, and he's pointing the barrel of a gun into his mouth. It's Kyle with a K. Christopher walking in this, or Christopher walking in the prophecy? Prophecy. Yeah. See, whatever. And also with us, the godfather of gore, the Native American Thor. I forgot the other one. It's Mitch. Staying spooky. I love the Resident Evil.